Hey, who do you think would win a fight? Well, what do you mean? Well, if you and I ever got into like a really serious fight, you know, and the punches started flying, who do you think would win? Well, I think that's pretty obvious. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. The bat is dead. Bury it. Fight back! You coward, fight back! You just started a war. Dark time never failed you. Flame of Udun! Never give up. Never surrender. We must fight. You've always run away from a fight. Have not? You have so. Have not? You have so. Have not? You have so and you know it. What's up, Who Would Winners, and welcome to episode number 146 of the Who Would Win cast, the podcast that analyzes fictional fights between familiar faces. My name is Steve. And my name, if you choose to accept it, is Chris. <laughs> That's the only way you could have gone. It's only also my you... name if you don't choose to accept it. This, this podcast will not explode. That was, so that was my alternate. I was going to say this podcast will self-destruct in five seconds. I, well, I'm glad you didn't do that because I think uh, some of our listeners may have dipped out at that point because they would have been a little worried. I didn't want to scare anyone. Exactly. And then at the same time, I think there are some other people who would have stuck around because they would have been curious to see just what would have happened if they did stick around. Well, you, you know, the self-destruct feature only works with Apple Podcasts. So if you weren't using Apple Podcasts, you would have been fine. <laughs> I'm actually, I'd, I'd be very curious uh, to see what our listener... Uh, demographics are for their uh their 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 podcast uh, uh application of choice we can pay extra money if we wanted to look into that data but that's that's okay we we, we don't we don't need to know maybe yeah. someday when we get like uh when we cross like ten thousand listeners we'll we'll get that. yeah exactly we'll we'll get there um chris chris uh it's nice to nice to hear your voice back again it's been a while it i mean it's been, it's, while, it's, yeah. it's been a while for recording but i, I saw you this afternoon Right, right. You asked me yeah. to record last weekend, and I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> okay. You've been pretty busy, I know. I've been busy, too, and, you know, life gets away from us. But it's nice It's nice to be back. Yeah, do you have any updates um, on your little baby? Oh, man. Uh, he, he's doing fantastic. He, he just turned four months old, and uh, he's, he, he's laughing a lot. And uh, so uh, you know how uh, with Lucy... And later with Owen, you would try to find words that would make them laugh or sounds that would make them laugh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like I know one for Lucy, which was really big, is she loved the uh, this, the, the the phrase that Borat would say, which was wah, 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 wah. Yeah. Wah, 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 yeah. Wah, 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 wah. So uh, I've done that with, with Eli and uh, he, he likes it. But there's another one that he really likes too, which is he's a big fan of the Jawa sound from star wars which is utini <laughs> so so sometimes i'll just go utini and uh he, he really seems to enjoy that so i'm still i'm still trying to think of other random sounds that i can uh work into my repertoire because after a while they kind of start getting repetitive for myself well um, you know so, what that's great because there's someone who leaves us a review that's good at making up words Maybe that is true you. That is true. And we do have some of those that we'll talk about uh, in, in, in a little bit here. So maybe I'll have to incorporate those. There you go. Because they do All just right, seem quick, like though, sounds. Does does uh, Iwatini or whatever you said, does that, do you know what that translates to? Because I wouldn't actually, want you saying something inappropriate to a four-month-old baby. That's a good question. I actually have no idea what that oh, no. uh, translates to in uh, Jawa. I think it's called, I think the language is Jawanese. Okay. Maybe we should find that out before you say it too much. You might offend someone. 
Um, I'm, I'm looking up right now. Uh, apparently, according to Wikipedia, it is a shout of astonishment or surprise. Oh, same as Wawa Wiwa. That's perfect. So, <laughs> yeah, one one is uh, Jawa Jawaese, and the other one is Kazakhstani. Or would you just say that's Boratese? I would attribute that one to Borat. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, so that's that's pretty much my life updates with uh, with Eli. How about uh, how about you and your family? Uh, nothing. No, Lucy's about to turn four next week. Pretty cool. Working on some house projects, and that's pretty much it. Normal stuff. I can't believe she's turning four already. It's uh, it's incredible. I mean, I can't. I mean, I'm sure you feel the, feel the same way. I mean, you've lived with her every day for the past four years, but it's uh, it's yeah. incredible to think that. I know Owen's going to be two soon. Wow, they're both getting big. I feel like the past two years, definitely because of the pandemic, have just been such a blur. Like I, I, I still remember yesterday when you guys went off to the hospital with to to go mm-hmm. have Owen delivered, and like I remember Allie and I had to like quarantine for like a whole month just to be safe because we were going to be watching Lucy when you guys were in the hospital. But uh, I will yeah. say that that feels like forever ago to me. Does it like, really? It's, it's weird because like the time goes fast, but also that feels like it was forever. <laughs> right. I see what you're saying. <clears throat> so but that's that's good that's good um well i'm glad i'm glad that we're able to to sit down again and uh, and we'll talk some 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 fun uh who would win scenarios um before we get into that we have a couple poll results to go over uh from back last month when we had our beijing pokemon winter olympic games uh our two two-part episodes that we did there and um the first we had uh of their events we had uh who would win the monobob and coming in first for that event, I don't know if anybody remembers uh, who the Pokemon were. We had Frostless, Ditto, and Swampert. Coming in first, Chris, was Ditto, your choice. Right. Good for Ditto, man. I know. I would, yeah. I would argue a little controversial choice, too, but with 78% of the vote, Ditto, Ditto won with the, the classic nice. uh, the copycat move there would just bring it uh, into first Well, if you place. recall, when he's riding in the sled, he was actually the Ditto. So I didn't copy another Pokemon the whole entire time. That's true. That's true. Um, so the the next event that we had after that would was uh, big air skiing, and we had Hitmontop going against an Alolan Nine Tails and Mister Rhyme, and Hitmontop uh, came in first there, the sixty five percent of the vote, which I think was well, a good choice. He's a good spinner. Yeah, it was a great like choice. Spinning move. He just when you just see his uh, his his look, uh, his design, he just looks like somebody who would be uh, into big air skiing. So. <laughs> he does. And, he tell, and, you look at him and you're like, that's a big air yeah, skiing. That's Pokemon a big if I've ever seen one. Yeah. And and then lastly, for uh, the part one, we had who would win cross country skiing, where we had Crabominable, Beartic, and Conkledur going against each other. And coming in first place there was uh, Beartic uh, with uh, 65% of the vote. So each uh, one of us, you, me, and Dan, uh, had a Pokemon come in first place among the fan votes. So that's, that's nice really to have a little, nice. yeah, have some um, diversifying there. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. Everyone's a winner. Yes, yes. Um, let's see. So we uh, we had someone who wrote in for that one, uh, that episode. We had someone who wrote in a riddle. If you'd like to uh, try to guess this riddle, I love riddles. Okay. So this person wrote in saying, "What is three sevenths chicken, two thirds cat, and two fourths?" goat chicken goat and cat i know the answer how do you because you because you read it 
I think no, no, no. I think because I can visually see it. I think that helps. Ah, uh, I was three, just thinking if I should write this down. Three sevenths chicken, two thirds cat, and two fourths a goat. Well, I don't want to drag the listeners through this while I try to figure this out. So why don't you just uh, why don't you just tell me? Sure. So I think the answer is Chicago. Because oh, the letters, the letters, C-H-I is three out of the seven letters in chicken. C-A is two out of the three letters in cat. And then G-O is two out of the four letters in goat. Yeah, I, I was conf- I was thinking I was trying to think of things like that because saying two, two fourths is interesting that they didn't say one half. Correct. And I'm exactly. pretty sure those fractions don't add up to one. Right. So no, I was no, like, not. Eh, that's not a full animal. No. Or it's um, more than a full animal. I'm not that good at fractions. It'll take me a <laughs> take me a long time. Yeah, at first, at first, I'm reading. It, I'm like, wait a minute, and then and then it started clicking immediately. I started counting the letters in the uh, the word chicken. So well done. So I, I hope it's Chicago. Uh, please let us know if we got that uh, that riddle correct. Um, a couple more things to add from that episode, Chris. We have someone uh, writing in. Actually, we have two separate people writing in, uh, asking you to say uh, say some words. And two separate I'm, people have now done this. Two separate people have done this. Yes, we have oh, opened. We have opened that box, and right, I'm, um, I'm I'm sending the first one through Discord right now. Oh dear lord! Oh my goodness! All right, I'm just doing a quick once over to make sure I'm not going to say any any like anything inappropriate. Yep, it's Apparently, a podcast. You know, the person who wrote this in added in quotations that this is the longest word in the world. In the world, according to this person, yeah. I wonder. I don't know. Doesn't Iceland have a bunch of pretty long words? Yeah, I think that's like the name for like their president or something. It's just really, really long. Bunch of all right. So this word, I believe, says uh, "numo nal." Tra microscopic illisol volcano in kenosis. Konoiosis. Yeah, I, I mean that sounds that sounds like a word. I wonder what sure. this word means. It sounds like it's a real word, like it's a medical term for um when you have a microscopic volcano in your lungs. It is a term for a lung disease caused by inhaling silica dust. I I pretty much got it. Because hmm. I assume that that comes from volcanoes. Yeah, I mean, among other things. Did yeah. you have to look that up, or did this person say that? No, I just looked it up. Yeah, so so the meaning, yeah, so the pneumano comes from the Greek meaning lungs. Ultra means beyond. Oh, I messed that beginning up. I thought it was just pneumo. And then yeah, I said pneumo. pneumo. So pneumano ultra that makes much more sense. Thanks. Yeah, so I was able to found, find like the breakdown of it uh, and microscopic, referring to the fitness of par- uh, particulates. Silico, meaning silicon, silicate dust, volcano, referring to volcanic dust, Kani, ancient Greek word meaning dust, and osis, meaning a medical condi- condition. So, well, if I knew my Greek or Latin better, I would have done better on that. No, I think, I think you still did a great job. You Thanks, great job. Steve. Yeah. Thanks so much. All right, one more I'm going to put in the chat. This one made me chuckle because this is a word that I know is uh, up for debate amongst uh, people in the culinary world. Oh, dear. I use this all the time. I love it. And I say Worcestershire, but I don't know <laughs> if that's right. I would say Worcestershire, too. <laughs> but as I'm saying it out loud, I feel like I'm already messing up. I mean, it doesn't look like that. No, it, it does like... not. 
Worcestershire. Worcestershire. But I've never heard anyone say it like that. No, no. Um, the the one person who comes to my mind is uh, the famous, well-known YouTuber, Binging with Babish. Every time he mentions this sauce, he says it in a different way, I think on purpose, whenever That's he's talking funny. about it. Yeah. But yeah, I would I say, I would say right yeah, Worcestershire, Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, that's the way yeah. I say it too. Yeah. I don't know. That's just the way I heard people, other people say it around right. here. I don't know if that's like a regional thing. Or... Yeah, but, ooh, that's a good question. I don't yeah, know. Maybe. Good one. Um, Whoever thought that. Yeah, that, that, that one, How that do you one, say things where you're from? That one made me laugh. Yeah, that made me laugh. Um, a couple uh, actual comments related to the episode. Uh, someone wrote saying they look at the body weight and movement in terms of voting. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Look and see how the Pokemon goes with those events. And then that's lastly, after Dan's heart. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and then gives so- us a breakdown. It's like, guys, the physics don't work. <laughs> Will physics not happen. Do not work. And then someone else said Frostless because he has legs and weight, and by the time Ditto transforms, he is seconds behind. Hitmontop has some sweet, sweet tricks and would win. <laughs> but something has me mentally convinced for Mr. Rhyme, and then Beartick <laughs> is too cute and wins there. So uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to vote for that one. And then real quick, we'll just go through uh, the results for part two, which has less comments. So we'll be fine here. And across the board for all three events for skijoring, dog sled racing, and the winter pentathlon. For each event, all the contestants are tied 33.3%. Wow. We... <laughs> Man, I too bad I didn't vote in that one. <laughs> Could have pushed I think, it over the I edge. think we may have had a listener come in and do something on purpose because they had too much time on their hands. Oh, really? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I just feel maybe like they I feel really like... wanted us all to tie. They just didn't maybe. want any infighting. That's what ruins podcasts. You know, the hosts start fighting. They're like, "I'm better than you," and then it breaks up the team. Yeah, I mean, I guess we would all get a gold medal here. All all of them would we get s- a gold medal. They tied. Split it. Yeah, split we'd split gold. it. Right, we'd all be on the podium there. Um, and then the comments for this, like I said, someone wrote in saying Glacier because ice. No article there, just because ice. Uh, someone wrote in saying because they are good. I don't know who they are, but they think that they are good. And then the last one, someone says the others are trash. So, Ooh. yeah, I mean, wow. some, some fighting wars there amongst amongst those. People uh, had strong opinions. They on, really did. They really um, did. Pokemon. Yeah. We can't tell because you can't. It doesn't match up their vote with their comment. But no. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> but, whatever uh, they yeah, voted that's for the, they yeah. felt strongly about they felt super strongly about that so thank uh thank you so much for those of you who took the time to respond to that episode as well like i said uh, uh thank you for taking the time to vote for the previous one all the feedback that we get after our episodes it's fun get to interact with you a little bit and see uh see what the fans are thinking and we really do enjoy um the pokemon olympics but uh we're gonna have a little break now for about two and a half years before we get to paris 2024 (laughs) um chris are you ready to get going i'm ready all right let's do it so please remember if you have any ideas for any future matchups or scenarios or if you just like to say hello you can reach us through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our Discord. You can send us an email at whowouldwincast at gmail.com and consider checking out our website, www.whowouldwincast.com. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts so it helps us spread the word about our show and we'll give you a shout-out read on our show. Also to add... Um, We've had a good community of Discord members join. If you haven't done so already, you can follow the the link in our show notes and, and hop on over there. We have a great uh, amount of channels. This episode actually was inspired 
by some of the discussions that were happening uh, in our episode discussion channel on our Discord. Um, and we've just had some other discussions also. I know some people were talking about the Super Bowl uh, in our in our sports channel. So it's just not only podcast-related, other things as well. So if you haven't gone over there, please uh, please feel free to, 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 to stop by and, and join. Chris, what are we talking about today? Oh, today is a heist episode. Yeah. Between two great heist teams. And Maybe two I, of the most well-known, uh, at least in modern times. I love both of these film franchises, like with, with a passion. I love them I both. I would say I love them, but not with a passion. I just love them, like with a, okay. a normal, a healthy amount of love. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Totally fair. Um, you are going to be going with? The Mission Impossible team. Nice. Great team. And I'm going to be just going. A, co- a collection I've put together from multiple movies. Yeah, I say that's fair. It depends what we're fair. trying to steal. I might have that's to, true. to that's pick the best person for the job. And I'm going to be going with Ocean's Eleven from the George Clooney Ocean's Eleven movie. And what we're going to be doing is we have a random list generator here uh, with, with some different things that we think would be interesting for these two groups to be going after. So... That's what we're going to be uh, doing today. Before we go into what they're going after, just want to give a little background on which team you're choosing, uh, uh, Chris, and then maybe you know a little bit of their, their their specialties, and then we can incorporate that into the into the items we're trying to go after or whatnot. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a quick overview. So there've been uh, what six Mission Impossible movies, right? So mm-hmm. if you're like probably like most people. No, I'll say, let me rephrase. If you're like most people around our age, you saw Mission Impossible 1 when you were like relatively young. And you're like, this is a cool, <laughs> a cool like spy movie, right? It's, it's, it was fairly grounded in reality with like some cool spy tech. Yeah. Uh, and then you saw Mission Impossible 2 and you're like, this movie sucks. I'm not going to watch anymore. <laughs> and that's what I did like for like 15 years. And then one day, well, more than one day, you told me like, hey, Chris, you know, like the, the new Mission Impossible movies are like really good. And I was like, mm, I don't know, Steve. I saw Mission Impossible 2. It was, like, really bad. <laughs> um, and you're like, no, I promise. So one one day, I just binge-watched uh, 4, 5, and 6. Not 3 for some reason. I don't know. I feel like I feel like 3 is, like, the weaker of the... Even, like, I think people think 3 is, like, okay, right? Uh, people think that 3 is better than 2, which isn't hard. Right, pretty low bar, right? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say people probably rank 1 and 3 probably on the same level. Okay, fair point. Fair enough. Yeah. But like four, five, and six have been like really good, right? Oh, yeah. They're like, they're phenomenal. I would say three breathed new life into the franchise because after two, oh. it left such a bad taste in your mouth. I just remember thinking it was so boring. Two? I, yeah, two. Yeah, it was, it was, it was boring. It was ridiculous, not in a good way. Like, not ridiculous in, in like how the later ones get. Yeah, the new ones are a little bit ridiculous. They are, but they're so entertaining. And yeah, they are. The second I think they, one, they nailed the formula, in my opinion. Like, oh, it's what absolutely. I like. In the, I like a little bit of like, um, I don't want to say quite silliness, but um, it doesn't like take a, itself too seriously. Yeah, just not too seriously. Yeah, correct. Yeah, where I think the second one took it very seriously. Yeah, I think they went the wrong direction. Yeah, with what people liked about the movie. Yeah, but I anyway, well, I, I remember four, five, and six the best. So that's what I'm mostly going to talk about. So Mission Impossible 4 came back came out all the way back in 2011. Yeah. And then uh 5 was 2015, 
and six was 2018. There is a Mission Impossible 7 on the horizon that was supposed to come out last year, 2021, delayed due to COVID to 2023. We'll see if it makes it. We were joking before the recording that Tom Cruise had to like learn a bunch of new things before uh, while filming because he famously will always do some crazy stunt in every movie. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he had to figure that out. And there's an eighth one after that, Chris. The, oh, is that being filmed as well or um, just in plans? Um, I know I think originally they were going to try to film both back to back, but I'm not sure if they were able to do that because of the pandemic. Interesting. Oh, man, that'd be cool. I mean, I'll, I'll keep watching them. Um, so so your your main guy. So first of all, Mission Impossible centers around this team called IMF. I don't know. What's that like? International mission i don't remember that's not right it's actually it's pretty impossible mission force impossible mission it's like the dumbest sounding that's what i'm talking about like the campiness doesn't take itself too seriously you know um so their leader is tom cruise uh ethan hunt played by tom cruise and he's you know he's your your super cool high-tech spy right and then he always he gets like um a cast of uh hell of his partners right so um one is is uh, the next one I was going to say is Benji, who's played by Simon Pegg. Is he in four, five, six? Uh, he just... he he starts in three as a very minor role. Yeah, he's like he's like a um, almost like they just talked to him over the phone and like hacked his computer, and he's like, okay, yeah. Exactly. Then he gets like there's a whole side, not a side plot. They just almost like, a subplot where he's like he became a field agent. And yeah, they mentioned in like the beginning of Ghost Protocol that he passed the field test, and now he's yes. allowed to be in the field. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. I think because Simon Pegg's cool, and they're like, we want more Simon Pegg in our movie. Oh, he's so and, good. He's so that great. Was, that was fine. That was cool. Yeah. Um, Ving Rhames is uh, normally he's in a bunch of them. I don't know if he's in all of them or not. He, he is. Um, he's the only other one besides Tom Cruise to be in all of them. Okay, cool. He's yeah. kind of like um, he just gets stuff. He, he gets stuff they need. He he can uh, he does he he does field stuff too. I don't yeah, he's like the right hand man. Would you say right hand man? I feel like he doesn't. He's not in enough of the movie to be considered the right hand man. He's definitely like, in terms of how much Ethan Hunt trusts him, but not in terms of being like a main character in the plot. That's true. I, I think he he was a lot more in the first three than he has, and okay. because he he only had a cameo in Ghost Protocol. He was there at like the very very end at like a restaurant. Yeah, but more more so in Rogue Nation and Fallout. Okay. Yeah. So then I'm taking um, Jeremy Renner, who I think they were trying to set up as like his own. I think they were trying to set up like he could be the next Ethan Hunt or something. Yeah. But the problem was, is that Ghost Protocol did so well that everyone was like, oh, I guess they just want Tom Cruise to stick around. And I agree. I mean, Jeremy Renner was fine. Yeah, I think he was good. He he did his job. I wish I wish he was around uh, more because the only reason he wasn't in the sixth one was because he was filming the Avengers. Yeah. Um. So then I'm gonna take. Uh, I have to look up her name because I don't remember her well enough. The oh. girl from. Uh, was she in? Was she in five and six or just six? Five and six. She's okay. uh Il- Ilsa Faust. Okay, so she was um. Mi six. She's MI6, yeah. She had some convoluted backstory where, like, I don't remember if she was, like, being framed or she was just being, like, kind of blackmailed to do something, to do, like, bad stuff, to, like, clear her name. She was a good person. Yeah. But was, like, somehow doing bad things because she was in blackmailed. So, like, Ethan Hunt helped her out, and then she helped him out, and they, like, kind of joined the team together. 
And she's like super good too. She's like super cool girl spy. Um, what else do you need to know about Mission Impossible movies? You need to know there's always um, a part of them. So it's 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 definitely one of those movies where there's a lot of plans and everything they plan goes completely wrong until the very end of the movie when it goes kind of wrong, but then they fix it and then they win. Which is all I want in a movie, really. But it's just funny. You can almost guarantee that, like, if you're, like, a third of the way through the movie and they have this complicated plan to do something, it will fail. Oh, And most absolutely. likely after that, they will, get their, they will get cut off from all, like, technical support and funding from their agency for some reason. Like, they'll either be, like, accused of crimes or, like, the head of the IMF will, like... I don't know. Be mad yes. at them. They'd be. They, they always get disavowed. Disavowed. That's Dis- disavowed. Is, is is the classic. That has mission to happen. Possible. So they're on yeah. their own. They got to do. They got to do it on their own. They're they're gonna have some cool tech, and they're gonna have crazy stunts. And then there's probably gonna be a bunch of uh, switcheroos and or um, <laughs> uh, like twists. They like they like their twists. They like usually, their... usually involving masks. Usually involving perfect replica face masks. <laughs> Except for in this in this kind of funny scene in what's the one with the Burj Khalifa where Tom Cruise walks up the side of cr- the, go, the uh, Ghost Protocol. Remember, they're trying to print a mask and the mask printer breaks and they it's can't so, print the mask. It's so it's so great. It's so, want, it's such a great scene. I I always wondered if there was like. Something behind that where they're like, oh, we have this, we paid a lot of money for this actor. We don't want him to wear a mask. Or if it was just that was the plan all along. No, I think I think it was just kind of because I feel like a lot in these movies, they rely on those spy tech to to get through the plan. Yeah. So I think it was just kind of trying to show them thinking on their feet. What are they able to do when, you know, like you said, the plan goes wrong and they have to figure out a way to get through it. Well, yeah. In their case, in that case, they ended up being very lucky that the person they were meeting had never seen That's the true. other person's face. So they're like, "That, that does uh, help out." Just hope he doesn't have a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, he didn't. He didn't. It worked. No, it worked. It worked out perfectly. Yeah. And then they had to like switch around the uh, the hotel room numbers. Yeah, they had to and do then, a, a lot of. <laughs> yeah, it's nice that they had a perfect tool just ready to go for that. You know, if like you need to change the hotel room numbers on the doors. Like yeah, I've, we, we I've, got a tool for that. Just like printing them or something. He, he, he was like he like put it the machine over top of like the number on the door, and he just like typed. Oh yeah, it, it, it like re-etched it. It was like laser. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. They so, they have silly stuff like that, and like a, a machine that prints a perfect like plastic mask that goes over your face. Hey guys, this is Chris doing the editing. So for some reason, for about a minute right now, our Discord recording just blanked out on the audio. Um, so. Basically, I finished talking about some tech from Mission Impossible that I was trying to remember and then claimed that I was going to make up some more. And then Steve started his intro where he started introducing the Ocean's Eleven movie. And I don't think this missed very much, so it's going to pick up right where he's kind of summarizing the overall uh, story and plot of Ocean's Eleven. So sorry about this. It's going to happen one more time later. Uh, I'm really sorry. I uh, hope you still like the episode. Thanks. A casino owner, because the casino owner is dating Danny's ex-wife. And so he he gets a group of 10 other guys, including himself, so 11 total. And their goal is to basically 
rob the uh, casino owner's vault, uh, which at the time contained $150 million in the vault because it's a fight night boxing match uh, event. So they have to have enough to cover, you know, all the, um, the, the chips and money being played upstairs. So uh, I'm, I am going to have his entire uh, 11 crew which consists of George Clooney, Bernie Mac, Brad Pitt, Elliot Gould, Casey Affleck, Scott Kahn, Eddie Jameson, Don Cheadle, Chabot Quinn, Carl Reiner, and Matt Damon, uh, all in different roles. I mean, I would argue probably there there are some that are more important than others. I shouldn't say more important. Get more screen time. Sure, than others. I mean, yeah, when you're paying you're paying some big name actors, they're going to get a little more time. Correct. Yeah, but but George Clooney is is the lead, Danny Ocean, and his right hand man is Brad Pitt's uh, Rusty Ryan, uh, and and Matt Damon. He's Linus Caldwell, which is basically he's he's pretty much like a master pickpocketer. And uh, let's see, they have like their version of Benji would be a guy named Livingston Dell, and um, then they have. Just other people who are really good at things, uh, like um, like the amazing they kind Yen. of have their specialization. Yeah, they right? have this. Yeah, exactly. Like Don, like the amazing Yen. He's like a, an acrobat uh, uh, member. Uh, Don Cheadle. He has a guy. He's a guy named Basher Tar. He's pretty much like their explosives and weaponry. And they really don't. They don't use guns. They 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 do use an explosive at one part. Um, Carl Reiner. He plays Saul Bloom, which is just this old uh, this old uh, soul character who uh, is good at just convincing people and selling things and then one other person that i will say who's also really important is a guy named elliot gould who plays ruben tishkoff who is another casino owner so this is the guy who's really bankrolling the whole operation uh, in oceans 11 so anything that these guys would be doing uh, ruben tishkoff would be bankrolling their plans also so one thing though that is important and I'm going to have to figure out a way to incorporate this is that the oceans gang don't get involved in something unless it has some kind of personal connection to them. So yeah, they're, they're going to have this elaborate $150 million heist. Cause someone's jealous. Exactly. Yeah. His ex-wife. Yeah. And then like in oceans 12, uh, the owner of the casino, Terry Benedict played by Andy Garcia once his money back. He's able to know, he knows that they stole from him and he's like, I want my money back. So then they have to steal somebody else in order to pay the money back to pay back Terry Benedict. And then in oceans 13, which is the end of the trilogy, um, uh, Ruben Tishkoff, uh, the other casino owner that they're friends with, uh, he gets his casino land stolen from, uh, a guy named Willie bank who was played by Al Pacino. And, uh, they want to get revenge on Al Pacino for, uh, for stealing Ruben's land. So, uh, like I said, and, and you, you mentioned as well, like it needs to be personal to them or else they're, they're not going to get involved. So I also wanted to make it that like, these are thieves, but these are like good guy thieves. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah you're stealing because it's okay. It's ex- justified. Yeah, yeah. You're rooting for them the whole time and you're never thinking like, Oh, these are, these are bad people. Like they are doing what is right and what needs to be done. Did you mention when you mentioned your characters, did you mention Matt Damon? Yes. Which, what was, what does he do? So he's a pickpocketer. Ah, oh, that's right. You just said that. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Sure thing. Yep. Um, so, and then in, in, in each other movie, they, they add someone else to join the crew. So in Ocean's 12, it's, uh, his, uh, Danny Ocean's wife, Tess Ocean. She joins the crew. And then in 13, it's kind of ambiguous as to who it is because they remove his wife for the third, for the third one. 
and the, but they add a whole bunch of people to 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 help hmm. so it's kind of like uh who are the official 13 yeah yeah you really don't like I, you would argue in the third one uh terry benedict the guy who they steal from in the first one and then the guy who wants the, his revenge in the second one he joins them in the third in the third one because he doesn't like willie bank either so i guess you could argue he's the 12th member but then i don't know who the 13th member would be there's it, it's so convoluted but i enjoy i enjoyed this i think i think this is a really really solid trilogy i really like oceans 11 12 and 13 okay i never saw 13 i I did really like 11 and 12 13's really i really really like 13 it's not my favorite but it's it, it feels a lot like the first one or 11 That's, i guess is you there like say. a big set piece to 13 that i might remember uh they there's like a i mean there's a a big casino that's like a fictional casino in las vegas and they like digitally add it to the to the strip and everything like that but that's that's pretty much it nothing nothing crazy okay which one yeah. had the um that big emp in a car they had to use that's an 11 yeah, 11 all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, that was memorable for yeah. me for some reason yeah that's a funny scene when they have to steal that and then they use it yeah that's right it's like an experiment at like a local like university or something yeah and then they steal it. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah they're able to break it and steal it so all right so let's 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 get into it here so let's roll these dice yeah oh i like it i like it um so i'm gonna uh, i have this generator here i'm gonna click on it and whatever it is we're gonna pitch how our team would accomplish getting that task and just to be clear we we put these ideas in we're just gonna randomly pick them we didn't find a random heist generator online correct yes we we put these in here all right first one we got is santa's naughty and nice list all right dealing from santa <laughs> okay all right all right all right let's see what we got going on here do you want to take it or want me to take it doesn't matter to me sure i'll, I'll, I'll go first i feel like i feel like the, uh, they they follow a formula right they're they're gonna have to uh they're gonna have to use some tech to gather some intel do some fancy computer stuff so they're gonna need to know where santa's list is kept maybe with satellite imagery Maybe with, um, all right, here's what they're going to do. This is, this is a long plan. They're going to have Santa ingest um, some type of um, radioactive isotope in a cookie they give him so that they can track him. This is, this is based on what, something that happened in a real mission, in a Mission Impossible movie. So they, they can track his radioactive signature to know uh, his, his, um, his general path ar- around the North Pole. Uh, they can follow his... Um, you know, they know where he's going, so they can they can make a guess where he would store the list. You know, is it does it look like it's gonna be in his office? Does he have a does he have a study in his next to his bedroom? Something like that. So so we're using the radioactive isotope tracking. We're gonna need to infiltrate the North Pole. So what's the best way to get to a North Pole that would also look cool? Because it has to look cool. It's it probably does have snowmobiles, cool. right? Yeah, it would be like snowmobiles or like yeah, okay. like like snow bobcats or something. All right, here's what they do: they drop snowmobiles out of an airplane with parachutes. They well, land on right, wait, wait, wait. This isn't this isn't Fast and Furious. That sounds more like Fast and Furious than Mission Impossible. Well, Tom Cruise did jump out of he hung on an airplane and jumped out of an airplane in Mission Impossible. I, I, I would I would say jump out. I don't know if they would jump out with the snowmobiles. Steve, this is this is my part okay. of the podcast. All right. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> So they drop the snowmobiles out of an airplane with parachutes. Oh, and it's going to be, um, let's see. I'm, I'm just taking the core four. I'm taking Ethan Hunt, Jeremy Renner, 
I I don't remember all their names. Jeremy Renner plays. Uh, Jeremy Renner plays. Um. Oh my God. Uh, William Brandt. William Brandt. Yeah. Benji Dunn played by Simon Pegg, and then I'm taking uh Luther or Ilsa. No, I'm taking Ilsa. Okay. Luther's like he's gonna stay in the plane in case we need like like air support. Okay. Um. He's going to be shutting down the uh, security system at the North Pole because he's like, he's going to be our hacker for this mission. He does that, right? I think he does stuff like that. There's that one scene where he's like, you know, that is true. Finds like some radio tower and like yeah. hacks into it so we can yeah, do something. He yep. 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 So that's what he's doing. He found the, uh, he found their internet connection and, ha- and, 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 and jacked in whatever the right mission impossible phrase is. All right. So, uh, we're going to snowmobile down a mountain. Oh, I'll probably do some jumps. I don't know. I don't think they're going to have to like kill any elves or anything. It doesn't seem like this is going to be a violent. Uh, this is more of a sneak att- a sneaky mission, not a uh, shoot and kill mission. Do you think they would wear masks to try to blend in with so the elves? That's what I'm getting to. I think we're at one point. Someone's going to have to wear a mask. The question is, who do we want to impersonate? Do we want to impersonate an elf? Probably not. We're 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 all well. <laughs> Do we know how tall Tom Cruise is in the movie Mission Impossible? So, well, I know Tom Cruise in real life is short, but I yes. know when filming Mission Impossible, he wears uh, shoes with extend lifts in them, if you okay. want to be politically correct, to make him appear yeah. taller. The, I know they also will, like, make use of angles and stuff to make Tom yeah. Cruise look taller. Yeah. Because we couldn't handle a short action hero f- for whatever reason. So... I was going to be tell a joke that like if Tom Cruise was short, he would be an elf, but I don't think Ethan Hunt is considered short. Um, so we're not going to do an elf. So what's that leave? That leaves like Santa and Mrs. Claus. There's got to be some other non-elf. Like, could you do like a snowman? <laughs> oh, like, like yeah. Like, there's that snowman who like yeah yeah with the. That's, you know, that's canonically a character who lives depending, in the North Pole. Yeah, depending on which which North Pole, you know, yeah, canon you're choosing, you could you could be a snowman. Yeah, we're gonna be I, that snowman from how the would that, man. That'd be so interesting. <laughs> Using a mask of a snowman would it that's just turn your face? You'll never. They'll never know. You actually don't even need a mask. You just need <laughs> snow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they have the technology to print a snowman costume. I'm, I'm sure. Okay, so. One of them infiltrates is probably it's probably Benji because it'd be the funniest. Like he, he's a he's probably the closest to comic relief character in the Mission Impossible. Would you agree on that? Oh yeah, and he's always gone ho and trying to wear masks. Yeah, and he always wants to wear the mask. You you're right. Okay, that's perfect. So Benji's a snowman. He has to. Um, <laughs> Benji's has to, a snowman. So depending on, I'm assuming the North Pole is kind of set up as like a compound. You have like your your toy your toy construction facility. You have Santa's house and like where he lives. Maybe he has like a like a little private workshop. Maybe there's a separate place for the reindeer live. There's probably housing for the elves. And Nicole just walked over and she's looking at me. She's probably wondering why I'm saying all this. <laughs> anyway, I hope this all makes sense. So anyway, I'm just trying to set up. This is the whole compound, right? So we got to figure out where Santa keeps his list. Hopefully we've narrowed it down from the radioactive isotope tracking. Uh, if not, we could have also sent in a drone. We could have done some satellite imagery. Um, they, mm, if they, if they had a way, I was going to say they could do something with the ink on the, on the list, but I don't, I don't know if they'd have a good way to replace Santa's pen. They'd have to do that. It's hard to know which pen he's going to write with. He might keep that in the North Pole, so I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that. All right, 
So the snowman infiltrates. Let's see, where would the snowman be least suspicious? Um, probably like the workshop area, I guess. Maybe he's just like coming to like chat up the elves, see how they're doing. Tell you know he can he can like just say he's like there to talk, take a look around. Then they also probably have to send someone into Santa's house. Uh, that's going to be Ethan Hunt. He's going to climb up the side. Because he climbed up the side of a skyscraper. This is going to be easy for oh, him. Uh, yeah, this is going to be nothing. This is going to be two, store, two or three stories tops. And probably made of wood where he can like have somewhere to put his feet. He won't have to use like suction cups. So he's climbing. He's, he's infiltrating Santa's house. Then we'll have... Uh, what are, so who do I have left? I have Ilsa and I have uh, Jeremy Renner. I'm not going to try to say his movie name, which is William Brandt. I like just calling him Jeremy Renner better. Um, what are they good at, Steve? What do they do in their movies? Jeremy Renner, he, man, he, 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 so he, he, he portrays himself as an analyst, but he really right. is he's like, like, a, like a full, like, I think he's CIA, if I'm not mistaken. He's, yeah, he's real good. He's just good. He's like, Ethan I mean, Hunt. I would make the argument that, yeah, he's basically Ethan Hunt because they wanted him to replace Tom Cruise. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess we need a getaway plan if it's not... It can't just be snowmobiles because that Elsa, would be boring. Elsa would be good for the getaway plan. I think they're going to... Ooh. Would it be crazy for them to steal the reindeer and fly away? That'd be too... It'd be too obvious, right? It'd be... It'd, be, it'd blow their cover. Yeah. They will need... I don't think, I don't think the reindeer would abide. Well, uh, yeah. Unless, unless you then went into a role of wearing a Santa mask in order to confuse the reindeer... Um, to make the reindeer think that it's Santa. Oh, I, I don't want too much mask wearing. I feel like they, they realize that in the Mission Impossible movies. They're like, we can't just put everyone in a mask. It's boring. Right. So I, I did want to try to limit to one mask. Uh, what else did they do? Okay, okay, remember? Oh, wait, how, I don't want to blow all my tech on our first heist. Are we going to do another heist after this? Yeah, yeah. We'll do oh, another man. One. All right, I'll, I'll just say it because I, already, I was already starting to say it. Remember that they're in, like, Russia... And yeah. they set up that screen in the hallway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, displays an image like of what's behind it, but mm-hmm. like it doesn't look like they're there. Yeah, so they can basically walk behind it. I don't, I don't know if we need this. So we may need that if like the list is in like Santa's bedroom or something. We might need to set that up so we can like get in there without Santa without being yeah without being yeah spotted. Yeah. So I'm I'm sorry. I I got sidetracked from the getaway. I still need a getaway. I could just be lazy and say it's snowmobiles. I'm trying to think of some stuff they do in the movies. And I don't, I don't, I can't think if like the getaways are like a big part of mission impossible heists. <sighs> I think um, I just got to go with a uh, snowmobile to a waiting airplane or something. Well, if you still have Luther Stickwell up, up above, you know, running reconnaissance or whatnot. Yeah. He's got to pick them up somehow. If there's a way Maybe. for you to fly the reindeer up and then jump from that into the into the the airplane. That seems like a Mission Impossible stunt. Yeah, I think you're right. Jumping from the sleigh over. All right, how do we steal the reindeer? We'd have to um Maybe we just bribe them with food, bring us some carrots? Nah, no way. They're not <laughs> they're not doing that. Get out of here. Um you, you don't think one of the elves have ever tried that before? Well, maybe maybe they do. Maybe they take the reindeer for a joyride. Maybe I mean these reindeer probably have practice flights, right? Maybe yeah, they maybe so. they set yeah, it up as true. a as like a practice. 
Maybe they're like, hey, we're here for the um Oh you know, okay. Uh, okay. January inspection. Gotta take this take this up for a flight check. And then all all right, and then all the reindeer are like, Yeah, it's that it's that time of the month. We gotta we gotta go for it. Uh yep. So that's what they're gonna do. <laughs> now I have to ask one question though. Why are they stealing Santa's uh, nice list and naughty list? Oh, Steve, this is the whole so this is the switcheroo of the movie. They um believe that they that so Alec Baldwin is their boss, even though I think he died in in Mission Impossible in, uh, Six. Yeah, he did. Spoiler alert. Um, I'm going to have a, a twist in my fake universe where that wasn't the real him or something. And um, <laughs> it was a clone. It's a, it's is a it, weird. Because someone's wearing Is someone wearing a mask? Yeah, of him? it was very confusing. Okay. Um, they think that he told them to, but it was really that guy who they keep trying to make the scary bad guy who also died in six, I believe. What's his name? Um, um, Oh my gosh. It's I can, I can picture his face. He's in five and six. Yes. Yeah. He's like the main bad guy of five. And then they keep teasing him in six is like, look who's back. He's gonna, it's play. It's Sean Harris plays, uh, uh, Solomon Lane. Solomon Lane. Yeah. Yeah. Great, I guess a great he, villain. he like probably resonated with the audiences. So they're like, well, he's still alive. So let's just like keep showing him. Right. And like maybe he's the main bad guy, but we're going to keep tricking you and maybe he's not. So that's what happened in this movie. Solomon Lane's back and he tricked uh, IMF into stealing Santa's naughty list so he can take himself off the naughty list. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man, that's good. So they don't even know why they're stealing it until like the third act when they're like, oh, my gosh, are you this is what happened. I think I think if we have any producers listening i think i think are you're you saying, pitching, are you, you think i just pitched the perfect mission impossible movie? i think i think you pitched a great or the christmas like a, special like the christmas special huh? yeah exactly <laughs> this could be on like paramount plus or something <laughs> oh man oh god all right yeah yeah yeah. i mean it all it all makes sense i mean every the, the rationale how they're getting in how they're getting out and then and you got some great stump pieces there too to go along with it Thanks. I'm sorry the um, parachuting jet skis was too much for you, but I had to up the ante. That's okay. I mean, that's what I think makes Mission Impossible different from Fast and Furious. Personally, I think I think that's the kind of things that you know makes it special. Mm-hmm. Fair point. All right. So, all right. Here we go. So, Ocean's Eleven. What I'm going to say is this takes place after Ocean's Thirteen, and Danny Ocean and Tess Ocean have had a child, and that child is uh one day at the mall sitting on a santa's lap and the santa claus who has been paid by terry benedict andy garcia uh that paid the santa claus to tell danny ocean's kid that he's on the naughty list wait are you saying terry benedict is bad now i thought he joined their team in 13 he did but only because he wanted to screw over willie bank uh, so he's not like fully like an ally. He's just like correct. No, he actually himself. actually in thirteen he actually does try double crossing Danny's team, and they saw the double cross coming, so they triple crossed his double cross. Oh, I love a good double double cross. Yeah, when you triple cross a double cross. Oh, that's the best. So this this is Andy Garcia trying to get revenge on 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 what happened in thirteen. So he he pays he pays them all Santa, tell Danny's son that he's on the naughty list, and. Danny's son is devastated. We'll say he's like, you know, he's like four years old. You know, if like if four year old, if like Lucy heard that, you know, she'd be devastated. For sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So Danny, Danny notices that his son is, you know, completely, um, you know, not able to, to reconcile with what, what's going on. So he, he, he knows that, that, uh, Terry Benedict is behind it. And this is what makes it personal because he knows that, you know, Garcia is out to get Danny again for what happened in 11, 12 and 13. So what's going to happen is he's going to make a plan to go to the North Pole to steal the naughty nice list and to get his son's name off the naughty list and to, you know, rectify that that situation. So that's that's his that's his motive. So it's personal, which, like I said, he doesn't get involved unless something's personal. Correct. So how do they get in? So I think what's going to happen is they're going to uh, rely on Bernie Mac's character, uh, which is a guy named Frank Canton. Frank Canton is is a business guy. Um, He he works in a casino for a little bit. Um, He actually can't work. He has to change his name because he was kicked out of the casinos uh, for stealing. Uh, So he, you know, he already has different uh, personas there. He's going to go to the North Pole and impersonate a wealthy uh, company that is looking to trade uh, supplies so that way Santa and his elves can can make the toys for Christmas. Uh, and and he's he's a very good convincer. The biggest thing that happens in Eleven is uh, he's doing a deal on uh, two uh, van purchases. And when he's doing the van purchases, uh, the the car salesman is a little he's, he's finagling the price he's like ah sorry it's the best i can do and 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 bernie mac's like oh man that's a shame and they're shaking hands and he's like well i really appreciate your time and while bernie mac is shaking his hand you can see that he's not letting up and he's just squeezing his hand squeezing his hand squeezing his hand until eventually the uh, car salesman drops the price by uh, a couple thousand you know each so he's very influential that way. So he's going to go to the North Pole and he's going to basically force his company to have an in with Santa and his elves as the main supplier for their uh, their resources to to create their their toys by shaking somebody's hand too tightly. It, it works in the movie, like to like to okay. convince like to convince them like the, the, you know like you're you're going to be working with us and there's nothing you can do about it. And they're going to be like, okay, okay, you know, as like long as you yeah, basically, okay. So now that the company has really working relations with the North Pole, uh, now they're going to send Carl Reiner's character, a guy named Saul Bloom, the name of the character. And uh, Saul Bloom in Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Thirteen, he uh, takes two different uh, personas. He changes the way he dresses, changes the way he looks. In Ocean's Eleven, he's playing a very wealthy um, philanthropist. And in Ocean's 13, he's playing a casino hotel um, critic. So he has the ability to go in and and play a part. So now he is going to be the president of this company that has been allowed to to do business here. And he's going to be going in, inspecting the the area and seeing what's what's going on and, and whatnot. And eventually he's going to have a meeting with Santa Claus because in Ocean's Eleven, he meets the owner. He meets Andy Garcia's Terry Benedict, the owner of the hotel. In Ocean's Thirteen, he ends up meeting 
the uh, the owner of the hotel, um, Willie Bank, played by Al Pacino. So he's going to end up meeting Santa Claus somehow. And w- while he's doing all that, that's when he does his reconnaissance, which he does in Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Thirteen to providing you know information as to where things are. And in Ocean's Eleven, I mean, it, Andy Garcia literally takes him down to the vault down in the bottom. So he's able to to gain that trust. So I think that through some kind of conversation, he would learn from Santa where the naughty nice list are located. And then, and then from there, basically what's going to happen is he's going to bring in the other nine at that point, because he already used uh, Bernie Max, Frank Hatton, and they're going to come in and they're going to, you know, impersonate workers for this company, delivering supplies and, 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 you know, checking up on things, whatnot. And they're going to institute a plan where they're able to switch out the, the the list for a fake list that they have made. And they're in the process. They're distracting Santa Claus in a way. So that way he's away of what's going on. It's causing, you know, problems to get him away from, from what's happening. And then they're, they're going to get it out pretty simple. And that's the thing with, with uh, oceans 11 compared to mission impossible where mission impossible is a little more action based. Ocean's a Eleven. Flashier. It's a little flashier. It's cooler. Exactly. Um, it's sexier, if you want to call it that. Also, so you might have uh, some of the characters, you know, take dressing up in in certain ways. And hey, if this is like the North Pole where Elf was, seeing a human dressed as an elf isn't totally crazy uh, in, in that universe, you know. So they're able to get the list, and like I said, they're not they're not looking to sell it. They're not looking to do anything, you know, monetarily gain from this. If, if that's what ends up happening, they're like, oh, that's great. That's awesome. So they get the list. They, they are, they're okay with selling it. They're just not their main goal. Well, they're not, they're not going to sell it because all they want to do, like I said, this is personal. So Danny Ocean is just going to get his son's name changed in the book from naughty to nice. That's, so here's, that's, here's the only issue I have that, that I, I want to know how you're going to solve. You said sure. you're going to switch it out, right? You're going to do a deal. Yeah. You'll switch around. How are you going to make a? Is you, are you going to make an exact copy with just the name removed, or are you just making like a one that looks similar, and then you're going to change the original and swap it back? It would be something that looks like the original. It wouldn't be a complete copy of it. Okay, so then are you going to have to put back what you stole with the name removed? Uh, correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They'd they'd have to bring it back so that way Santa didn't know what happened. And, I got you. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So do you have a do you have a forger on the team? The forger. Ooh, let me think who the forger would be. That would so that you know you know what I'm thinking. I didn't even think of this. The person who would do the switch would be Matt Damon's character because yeah, he's you want the, someone because you know, he's the, he's the, he's, the, he's the pick he's the pickpocketer in in the first one. He steals the 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 vault codes out of Terry Benedict's jacket when he's not paying attention, and in the Ocean's Twelve, he's able to swap a. Um, like a golden egg for a replica one, like perfectly. So he would, I don't know how he's able to carry in a giant book. That's, that's Matt Damon's character. That's he's, he's just good at that kind of thing, hiding that, you know, uh, distraction there. But yeah, I'm sure he could do something. You could do it. You have a, bring a briefcase, bring a, bring a backpack. Yeah. Bring the f- a... So, so the forger, I would probably go to um, Livingston Dell, who, like I said, is basically their 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 man behind the screen, and he would be able to uh, come up with uh, 
you know, the, the some kind of duplicate replica that would, you know, do um, enough uh, good to, um, you know, throw any anyone off the track f- that anything, you know, w- was done without Santa's approval, basically moving his name from from naughty to nice. And and what I would say, too, is they were able to build an exact replica of the Bellagio vault in Ocean's Eleven. So I think them being able to build a passable replica of Santa's naughty and naughty and nice list for this. I think they'd be able to do that. No problem. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, sure. And then, yeah. uh, especially if you got to see it before you, before you had to do this, like, correct. It'd be tough to just see it for the first time when you're stealing it. Right. Yeah. I, so you that's, what, that, um, that's going what, into, that's going in with Saul when uh, Carl Reiner's character is, is going around yeah. and he's able to see it, you know, he, he's, he's taking the details and, and whatnot. Um, so that way, they can make uh, a decent replica. You know what Ethan Hunt's team would do? They'd would use they, those, um, I was just going to say lenses that oh take a picture. God. Just make so sure you, just make sure you don't, you don't have it scrambled like they were originally going to do. Oh yeah. And then they gave them an exact copy and they yeah, gave them an exact cool. copy. Yeah. That's, that's getting into the plot of mission. If, if our, all the listeners might not remember, they were like nuclear launch codes. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, we just can give them, We'll steal the real ones, give them bad ones so they can't, like, detonate a nuclear device. But then they had to change it at the last second. They're like, no, we got to give them the real ones and then follow them. And yeah, then, that's of course, cr- yeah, that plan they... went horribly wrong and the bad guys got away. Yeah, because they brought, they, they brought a, um, like a, like an, a nuclear physicist with them or something like that to, to validate the codes that that's they right. weren't anticipating happening. Oh, that's yeah. why they had to use the real ones? Yeah, that's why they had to use the real ones because they knew uh, that the guy would look at it and be like, these are fake. Huh. Yeah. I wonder how he would know. If they just looked the same. But anyway, like you just like change one number, right? Yeah, that's true. Anyway, the, they had these contact lenses. I think Benji wore them. And he would look at something and blink and it would take a picture. And then they had a briefcase that could print. That was a printer. And they were mm-hmm. printing copies. So we could, we could do that to copy the book and just, just remove uh, Solomon Lane's name. It depends on exactly how the plot's working. Like if they think they're stealing it and bringing it back or they're supposed to remove a name. Because well, you couldn't be... you couldn't remove Solomon Lane, Lane's name because you wouldn't know that Ethan. Right. Uh... My whole thing was that they don't know who they're working for, so exactly. they, they must just be stealing it. Right. I don't know his full plan. He's a you know Solomon Lane. He's a genius. So I'm sure. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then so uh, my getaway, my getaway is going to be uh, challenging. Um, mm, I think. I mean, they really the f- could. They could just be leaving the way they came in. I was going to say based on the, their company. Their Ocean's the company. Eleven getaway was just walking out of the casino, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. That's that's exactly what they did. Now they were disguised as um, SWAT team members. Yeah. So in uh, this one, maybe uh, if they're if they're if they're also able to tie in like that, like some kind of emergency happens on on in the North Pole, and like a gr- like some kind of group has to come there to like check it out and everything like that, and they are also the ones that go in to check it out as they're walking out. You know, they're carrying. Well, actually, they don't even need to be carrying it. Like I said, they just need to swap it real quick and then walk out. That's all they need. They just need to get out of there. They don't care about keeping the book. Yeah, I don't I don't think Santa's security is sophisticated enough that we need a complicated getaway. I agree. Like, who knows if he's even going to know it's been stolen for a while? Yeah, he might not. I mean, I don't think he's looking at that every day. I don't think so either, especially if you no. get him right after Christmas. He's oh, like, he's on vacation. Well, that's the thing. You know, like in Ocean's Eleven, they plan the fight or the, the break-in on the fight night you know they're probably planning to do this on 
Well, actually, so this is a tough thing with mine because if if Danny Ocean is finding out that his son's <laughs> on the naughty list around Christmas time, he's gonna want it before Christmas. Yeah, yeah, he wants it done before Christmas. That's true. So, oh, that's tough. Hey, you know what makes it makes it more challenging? That's fine. That's get him do it on like Thanksgiving. Have after Santa's had a big dinner or something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it would be it'd be challenging. But I think at the end of the day, I think I think we also just pitched another Christmas special that yeah, it could um, be like a two part or oh yeah it'll be the mission impossible christmas special and the oceans christmas special yes exactly and this this is uh this was made by warner brothers so this could be on hbo max they could do an ocean spray cranberry sponsorship <laughs> oceans ocean oh too bad they already did oceans they did oceans 12 because you could do oceans 12 days before christmas ah uh, you could yeah, no, it's all right, though. Ocean's 14 days before Christmas. Um, well, they could bring Adam Sandler in and call it Ocean's 8 Crazy Nights. Well, they did already did Ocean's 8. Oh, was that the secret, the, the, like, the, the, the spinoff the, with his with his sister? Uh, I, was, yeah. I thought that was called, like, Ocean's 10 or something. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Ocean's 8. All right. Um, yep. Ocean's um, three turtle, two turtle doves. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, there you go. Enough. It's too small. What, how many people did you use like seven there's a no I, well i mean i'd like if i really had time to sit down i'd really make yeah, sure okay. each of them got to play yeah gotcha. but, yeah so all right we'll you want to do we'll leave the name after them you want to do one more yeah sure one more all right so let's go on to our second and last task that they're going to have to heist if you will that they're going to have to complete so we have after santa's naughty and nice list we're going to have stealing the mona lisa all right, classic classic art theft. Yes, classic art theft. I'll I'll go first for this one if, if you okay. don't mind because you. Where is the, the Mona Lisa? Is in the Louvre in Paris, correct? Correct. Yes. So, all right. How do you make it personal? <laughs> how do you make this one personal, Steve? I, I can make this one personal. Ready? So, so Tess Ocean, which is Danny Ocean's wife, ex-wife, and then they get back together. She is a a what's it uh, what's the word car for like a museum like a like an art curator thank you uh, she's a she's a curator at an art museum and she applies for like the head job at the Louvre you know she is she's very well qualified a lot of experience and she gets denied because they know that her husband has a criminal record and they are afraid that because of that, it could lead to problems with people who, you know, don't like Danny ocean. They want to get, you know, revenge on him. So they take it on his wife. Like they know what happened with, with the other one. Cause like the, 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 the oceans 11 story in universe was known. Cause like in oceans 12, Andy Garcia, who was the guy who got, you know, robbed as the casino owner, he was saying, Oh, everyone's calling it oceans 11, the greatest heist ever. So, so like he's out there, they know, they know about him. So they, they don't want her, they deny it. And that makes Danny ocean angry. Danny ocean is like, you are taking out your frustration, you know, you're on my wife, which isn't fair. So now we're going to do to you what you were afraid of happening in the first place. And that's why I didn't hire her. That's what we're going to do to you. So, so they're thinking, all right, well, what can we do to really screw over the Louvre? 
you know, and immediately they're thinking the Mona Lisa, you know, the, the most, one of the most famous paintings, you know, in the world. And I just looked up its value. It's worth uh, $850 million. Now comparing that to an ocean's 11, when they, when they uh, break into the Bellagio and steal all the money in the vault, it's 150,000 or excuse me, $150 million. So this is much less. So this would be a huge job. This would be a huge job for them. So same kind of thing here. I'm uh, just kind of looking at the heavy hitters for what they're going to be, what they're going to be doing is they're going to have um, Elliot Gould this time, who, like I said, plays Ruben Tishkoff. He is the wealthy casino owner. He's going to be on vacation, quote unquote, going to the Louvre. Uh, and he's going to be socializing with the head honchos. You know, they, they know who he is. He's coming over. You know, while he goes over with them, he's bringing over some of the other people to to do run reconnaissance to kind of set up the job, set up this thing, um, you know, with with like Don Cheadle and, and, and whatnot. And so the thing with the, the Mona Lisa is, if I'm not mistaken, the Mona Lisa is behind some like really thick glass. Uh, I didn't, I don't know. I've never I'm lo- been. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up right now. Uh, yeah, look it up. I'm looking up something as well. So it's in a bullet, it's bulletproof glass. Oh man. Let's see. It's, it's behind one and a half inch thick glass. It's got a permanent temperature of oh, okay. 43 degrees Fahrenheit and 50% humidity. So, so they're going to have to work work with that too, because once they try removing it, I'm sure they have sensors that that'll set that kind of stuff off. So, man, all right, all right, all right. Let's see. So, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be kind of running uh, a, a game like they did in Ocean's Twelve, because in Ocean's Twelve, like I, I previously mentioned, they're stealing a like a golden egg from uh, inside like an art museum. So this is kind of similar to what they were working on before so oh boy 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 this this bolt the proof glass is, is gonna be gonna be tricky and and they don't want to they're not trying to like destroy it you know they're really just trying to like hurt this museum and then they'll probably just end up giving it back they're kind of like the joker in a way like they just kind of like the chaos for like chaos sakes to like screw with these people you know okay so all right so <laughs> Man, this is this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Who would have thought that pitching breaking into Santa's uh, workshop would have been easier than I guess because it's fictional and hey, low it's, security, right? It does you don't yeah. you don't picture Santa having like you know a complicated security system, but maybe he does. I don't I know. Mean, he, yeah, he might. Do so, you want me to, to give you a to pitch you an idea while to give you some time to think? So uh, let me let me keep going, and okay. then and then I might I might call on you. So. I don't want to say they're going to do the exact same thing they did in 12 because in 12 they they created like a virtual hologram replica of the golden egg that they end up stealing. So they could create some kind of replica of the Mona Lisa, which which seems too safe. You know, it just seems too safe. So to some to some respect you want to leave it empty so that way eventually they stumble I don't want to say they eventually stumble upon it, but when it's noticed that it's missing it just freaks them out. You know, like they, because that's what Danny Ocean would want. He would want them to be embarrassed, and he would want to see that. He would want them to be like, "Oh snap! Like, what did we do wrong that allowed them 
you know, to be able to do this. So I wish I knew how like the glass casing worked. Like, does it go up? Does it go down? Cause you just don't want to break it, you know? Cause if you just break it, I mean, that's, you, you want to, you want to make it look like it like completely disappeared. Ah, there we go. All right. So, so this is what we're going to do. All right. They're actually not going to steal it. What they're going to do is they're going to use some kind of the technology that they use in Ocean's 12. So we're going to rely heavily on our, our tech guy, Livingston Dell here, which he, he was able to devise this like hologram thing. I don't know how it worked. But if he could create some kind of a device that makes it appear that the Mona Lisa is gone, but it's actually still there. I like, so, I like this. I like where you're going. You know, so so it just shows the back of the wall, you know, as if it were gone. And so that way they don't have to worry about getting it out. They don't have to worry about setting off the sensors, the temperature gauges or anything like that. So it's really not a, a heist in the, in, the, in the simple terms. It's, it's more of just a, a, a screw you job because they're not looking to get anything out of this except public humiliation for the Louvre. So oh, you, could, you could go farther than that. All right. Well, I'll let you go first. Oh no no go 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 right ahead. Well, I mean, when the when the Louvre thinks it's missing, right? right. They're gonna they're gonna freak out. They're gonna send. I guess you're probably gonna send over your own security people. Like I don't know if they would just like call, call the police. I would imagine some from from the Louvre will like check on it, right? Yeah. Just make that guy Matt Damon. You st- you you uh you you impersonated him. Matt Damon goes to confirm. Oh, yep, it got stolen. But really, he's actually stealing it right then. But he's not really stealing it. Well, he could. I, I, I would stick. I would stick that they're not stealing it. I would stick. I would stick with that they're just making it oh, look okay. like it was stolen. Yeah. Oh, because your only goal is to just like embarrass them to to get Correct. revenge for the. Correct. I got you. Okay. Because okay. that's that's pretty much the plot of Ocean's Thirteen. In Ocean's Thirteen, um, Ruben Tishkoff, the, their friend who's a casino owner, gets screwed over by Willie Bank, and like the whole team is is talking about what they want to do. And the whole team's like, like, I don't like, we don't need to worry about like money. Like money's not going to help Ruben. Like, cause he's already upset. And Danny, and then Danny Ocean's like, it doesn't matter if we win as long as Willie Banks casino loses. So I think he'd be taking that mindset in here, basically saying it doesn't matter what happens to us. As long as the Louvre loses and they're embarrassed, then we win at that point. All you know, right, that's, that's, that's what helps us out. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Hey, that's cool. So, I mean, you know, if you want to throw in Don Cheadle's basher tar to, to do some kind of crazy stuff with like a, an EMP to kind of throw the, <laughs> uh, the, the electricity off just to kind of scare them a little bit, make them think that something's happening. There you go. So they could, he could do something like that. And that's what makes them send um, Matt Damon's security guard character to go check on like the paintings. They're like, Hey, you go, you know, make sure everything's fine. The security's fine. And when he goes to the Mona Lisa, you know, he'll say, you know, everything's fine. And then right there, that's when he can do like a quick switcheroo somehow to, to get the, uh, the holographic projector the hologram set up. Set up. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that way it looks like it's gone. And then, you know, when he returned or on his way back, Basher could do another one and then he'll, he'll check. And that's when he goes, Oh my God, something happened, you know, and, and then, you know, throws them all in a tizzy. So that would be that would be my idea. So it it gets it makes it personal, and like I said, they're not trying to, you know, benefit in any way. They don't care about 
taking the painting and selling it for anything. They're really just trying to, you know, make the Louvre look bad to get revenge on them, you know, taking out their frustration with Danny Ocean on Tass Ocean. I think you did it. I think that would work. That'd be I mean, easy yeah. for them. They only need they only need like Oceans Three to pull that off. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, there's. I I've really I've never I really haven't mentioned like uh, there's there's two brothers called Turk and Virgil Malloy, played by Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn. Um and they're just kind of like the muscle, um, you know, uh, errand boys who just kind of do the things that like need to get done quick. Like, All right, you dude, can have like a little montage where the guy who's building the hologram thing needs some parts, and they have to go like get yeah, them. Yeah, 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 exactly. But um, I also haven't incorporated Brad Pitt in any of these, which I feel bad because, like I said, he's like oh, yeah. the number two basically. But all he does in Ocean's Eleven is just eat food. Like the whole movie, <laughs> he's just he's just eating food. Yeah, you're right. He's one of those so, guys. Yeah, but anyway, so that's 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 my plan. What do you what do you got, Chris? Well, I have a I have I have a plan A. Here's my plan A. Right. Yeah, I, IMF is a uh, like quasi government sanctioned agency, right? Yes. So I they want to going... they want to admit it. They want to admit it, but they no. are. But I'm gonna. But they have a they have an operating budget, right? So uh, I, I would assume so. Yeah. And I'm gonna assume, I would assume based on their technology and sophistication that it's a lot. Like I so I was googling like CIA secret budget, and uh, uh, apparently it's referred to as a black budget or covert appropriation basically uh money allocated towards classified or other secret things and in the u.s it's not obviously like known uh but it's estimated to be uh over 50 billion dollars a year oh my gosh so here's here's my here's my pitch for imf they just buy the mona lisa you said it's valued at like 850 million yeah like we'll make it an even billion oh my god buy it from you and we will throw in um (laughs) Well, I was originally going to say that maybe the uh, museum wouldn't want to actually sell it because it's like obviously very valuable to the museum. But maybe they're just like, all right, we'll make us a make us a, um, a, a copy. We won't tell anyone that you bought it and you can have it. And then we still put up this fake one. I don't know if that would totally go with. I don't know if the Louvre would would buy into that if they'd be willing to sell some of their most valuable stuff. Um, but they must have a price, right? Maybe well, that's, that, I mean, that, that is a good question. Like, is, is, is it to them priceless to the point where they're like, we don't right. care what you're, you're offering. I was also thinking maybe we could offer to trade them some other very valuable, uh, like artwork that maybe would be easier for the steal, <laughs> like just something from like a private collection that they can just buy or steal that. Okay. Like, there's gotta be some other Leonardo da Vinci stuff. Maybe they could steal a bunch of Leonardo da Vinci stuff and just do a whole Leonardo da Vinci exhibit. And then they just buy the Mona Lisa. I don't know. Uh, if they had to steal it, man, man, I like I like your plan a lot, and I would just do what I said. Like I think I think you're right. Like the security is high enough that it's hard to just go in and do it without some convoluted. Oh yeah, we hacked all the security cameras and we we uh, poisoned all the guards so they have to go to the bathroom, and that can be played <laughs> for a little bit of comedy in the movie. And um, then we like break in at nighttime, blah, blah, blah. Just classic stuff. I, I really like the plan of making them think it's stolen. And that's a perfect use of that video screen that I just like threw into Santa's broom for no reason where you can put up a, a fake video and then do stuff behind it. They could use that. I'm that trying to think true. if there's any cool Mission Impossible stuff I left out. 
Uh, the the fourth one has like the coolest gadgets. The the five, fifth and sixth they still have some gadgets, but I think the fourth one is known for having like those really really cool gadgets. Um, because we, we already did the printer with the eye with the the what's it called? You know the the, right. the, 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 the contact, contact lens. lens. Yeah, they also have the contact lens in the fourth one, which allows you to like identify people's faces. Oh yeah, that was cool. Um, they, they also, also had in. They had the one, ring. One of them had has like, like a flute that turns into a gun somehow. Oh yeah, that's in that's in uh, Rogue Nation. Yep, that wouldn't true. help with the museum heist. No, no. Well, I mean, if if there's like some kind of gala going on, and you have someone oh, there, well, in, I, don't, in... I don't really want to kill anyone though. Okay, like, the IMF team are like good guys, so they have to follow good guy rules. They can't just murder people. Correct. They can only yes. kill bad guys. Yes, that is true. And like, is true. And, uh, just a, a, guy, a poor security guard just working his job. You know, his nine to five. You, you can't kill him. I'm surprised you haven't tried incorporating the classic like Tom Cruise uh, hanging from the ceiling, arms and legs spread out. You know what? I have been ignoring the first three Mission Impossibles. That is true. That is true. So I'm missing like a good um, a good car chase. I did the snowmobiles, but so so this doesn't have to do with like a vehicle chase. But in Mission Impossible three, there's actually a really, really good scene where Tom Cruise has to break into the Vatican. And, oh, this is this is perfect. And what he has to do at one point is he he's like behind a security camera, and he puts a camera like where the security camera would be, takes a photo, instantly prints out like on like a Polaroid, and then he hangs it immediately right <laughs> in front of the security camera, so it just looks like the photo that was taken. So you Genius. you could somehow work something like that into the Mona Lisa. That's even that's camera. like a low tech solution in there. It's a very low yeah, tech. Solution. I mean, that goes back to my first thing. Like, I feel like it's a little bit boring to just say, "Yeah, we we hack so, or somehow you know fake out every security camera," right? And then we have to like hack the alarm system and turn it off, right? Yeah. Then we what, use like a laser cutter to cut the glass. I don't know. I was trying to. I was trying to make it Mission Impossible ish, like what they'd actually have to do in the movie. Um, yeah, the dropping down from the ceiling—it's iconic, right? That, even though it's from what year did the first Mission Impossible come out in? Do you know? I think ninety-five or ninety-six. I think. Yeah, oh, that that is a long time ago. Yeah, it's been it's been going on for for twenty twenty-five years. I think it came out in nineteen ninety-six. Yeah, so so twenty-six years. It's incredible. Yeah, maybe that's the secret. You got to drop down from the ceiling to steal the Mona Lisa. I feel like that's not the best way to do it, though, because then you'd be, you know, you'd be, it'd be really easy to see you. <laughs> Unless beforehand you were able to get those those camera photos up, right? That, uh, and then somehow distract every guard that walks around. I mean, I don't getting... know. Do you think they have guards at nighttime? I'm sure they do, but I think you'd have like no problem, like. Like Mission Impossible Six, like he he jumps out of an airplane, and he does one of those halo jumps that allows them to like stay underneath the radar because they're opening their yeah. parachutes at like a, a low altitude. Yeah, so, so what I, I guess what I'm saying is like they could do it by using all like the classic heist stuff, but that doesn't make it a Mission Impossible heist, which is what I was going for. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. But I guess if we add on the uh, the parachute jump and the um, repel from the ceiling, catch your sweat. Which I forget. Did you mention what your motive is or no? No, because I couldn't really think of one. 
Yeah, it it would be. T- it would have to be like. It would have to kind of turn. I feel like national treasury. Or I was like, just about to say there's like a map on the back of it. Or, exactly. Or, you know. <laughs> or yeah, or like down Dan Brownish or something. And and you have to stop, you know, Solomon Lane or someone from from getting it. Or maybe it is more. Maybe it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like just like National Treasure, like someone else is going to steal it. So they steal it first. Correct. Because they're like the only way to to save it is to steal it. Yeah. But why would they care so much about the Mona Lisa? It just doesn't doesn't make sense. I mean, you could you could turn it into a whole, like I said, a whole Dan Brown thing where it shows that uh, you know that Jesus had a son and uh, and, and had a wife, and you know you're trying to. But why would why would IMF care about that? Oh, man. Because it's really not. Why would why would IMF care about stealing Santa's naughty All right. list? All right. Well. Because Solomon Lane tricked them because he's a genius. <laughs> Here's what it is, Steve. Um, unbeknownst to all but the most like dedicated Leonardo da Vinci scholars, in addition to all of his other inventions like a helicopter and like that guy with a lot of arms, uh, he also invented a nuclear device. Oh my god. And gosh. he hid the plans. Oh my gosh. On the with somehow within the Mona Lisa painting. Yes. Yes. So some bad guy's trying to steal it to make a nuclear bomb because a bunch of the Mission Impossible movies have nuclear bombs or at least oh. bombs or, or yeah, some kind nuclear. of world ending. Yeah. yeah. They have to save the world. Yes. That's why they have to steal it. So no one else can figure out how to get the nuclear bomb. The bad thing is when they steal it, then the, someone will steal it from them and have, and know how to make a nuclear bomb. Because like I said, most things go bad in Mission Impossible until the very end. Yes. I think, I think that is very solid. Sometimes the opening scene, it goes, is like a successful thing, but it's like only loosely or not related to the main plot so that they can show them doing cool things in an opening. But then once it's like main plot, everything goes bad until the end. So this is like main plot. Uh, They have to steal it. Something's going to go wrong. No, I think that would tie in, yeah, to the sixth one because the sixth one, the the whole like uh, cold open and everything actually completely ties in with the plot, especially the part with Wolf Blitzer and everything. Like I was trying to work that in. I love that. They, they, so if you don't remember from the movie, um, they, it opens and you, and this, you think this guy's in a hospital room. Uh, well, it looks like a hospital room and they have the TV on and Wolf Blitzer is doing a, doing a piece about a bunch of nuclear bombs that just detonated all over the world. And this guy in the hospital room was like a main part of that. I don't remember his exact involvement. Um, he, he wrote like a manifesto right. about why this should have had, why the nuclear weapon should have been stolen. Yeah. But he knew something like he had information they needed, like where something was. Right. Yes. And that's what they're trying to get him to tell them. And they basically, the guy's like, I'll tell you if you get, or the, the I forget who thinks of the idea, but they're like, get Wolf Blizzard to read my manifesto on TV. And I'll tell you this. It might've been like s- someone's name. It might not have been worse. I forget exactly what it was. Um, so Ethan Hunt's like, all right, he makes a phone call. Then like a minute later, Wolf Blitzer's reading this guy's manifesto. And then the guy tells him, and then like they play the mission impossible, like cool music and like the walls fall down and they like have it on like this whole fake studio. And like they they just got Wolf Blitzer to do it for them, which I thought was really funny. Um, yeah, the Wikipedia says it's the plans for the weapons. I don't remember exactly how that helped them. But I, I was trying to work that in, but I just didn't think a fake, uh, a whole fake room and TV broadcast would have 
would have helped me in these heists. Yeah, would have would have timed in. Yeah, that is a cool scene, though. I like that scene a lot. Oh, it's a great it's a great opening because it is it is one of those they they pulled the wool over your eyes and you're like, wait, what just happened? And you're like, oh, okay. I I, I, I mean, I maybe some other things they might do is like somehow engineer some situation where the Mona Lisa has to be moved and then like steal it in in transport. Um. Oh, there you go. That's true. There, it, there's a similar scene in, I want to say six, where it, they're transporting. So, so somehow Ethan Hunt gets in this situation where this person's like, "Hey, I have some plutonium. Um, I'll give it to you if you help me free Solomon Lane from prison." And they are they attack his armored convoy to to get him out. So it could be a similar thing, like. Tom Cruise is trying to avoid killing innocent cops because like I said, he's a good guy. He can't just kill cops. Um, but he's playing the part of like a bad guy. So he has to like make himself seem bad. So he just rams uh, the car into the water and then has people like scuba dive to get him. It's a pretty cool plan. That's what we could do if we could figure out a way to get them to move the Mona Lisa. But I don't know. I don't know what would qualify, what would require that. You know, I'm not, I don't know enough about rare art. Hey guys, editor Chris again. This is that second time where we lost some audio, but I recovered most of it. So you only missed like 10 seconds of us brainstorming reasons they might have to move the Mona Lisa. Or the oxygen level somehow behind the glass. I think that would cause some kind of uh, alarm that would make them feel like they need to remove it for for safety Maybe I could do something that would would trigger them needing to do like a restoration. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which apparently the Mona Lisa, or I'm sorry. I was reading that for before you pitched the Mona Lisa earlier, we were talking about last supper and apparently that has been restored a lot where like hardly any of the original is even left. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if that's true or not for the Mona Lisa. So that's what we'll do. We're going to, we're going to engineer a situation where the Mona Lisa requires some restoration work and then steal it in transit. And then have it just to have it. I don't, I don't, I didn't think of a reason yet. Oh no. Yeah. The, oh no, that's is, right. Because of the, no, nuclear they gotta, they gotta find right. the Leonardo da Vinci right. nuclear bomb plan. That's right. That's because the nuclear bomb plan. I was thinking back to your original plan of just purchasing it because yeah. they have a huge budget. <laughs> that was plan A. I think I'm on plan D by now. <laughs> <laughs> that's how mission impossible works though. You have plan A and then that eventually is exactly how mission impossible works. And then they're like, you know what? We're that actually works just out really well for them. Though, it, we'll they, do it live. Cause they were, cause they were just planning on buying it just because they could. And then as like time went on, they're like, oh my God, it has a nuclear bomb code on the back of it. Or are they buying because they know it has nuclear bomb directions on the back of it? I, I, I'm going to say they, they know the nuclear bomb thing the whole time and they got to get it before somebody else. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's fair. So, but but there might be a situation where the Louvre is like, no, we can't sell this. It's priceless to us. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah. No, I don't think, I don't think they would, but even depend, even with a, uh, like the CIA budget. They'd be like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh man. All right. Interesting, interesting, interesting. We've had two great heist teams going after some things that I guess you really wouldn't think about them going after. So almost like we picked them at random. I know. Almost like we picked them at random. So it's, it's up to now, uh, to you, the listeners to decide who you think would win between Ocean's Eleven squad and the IMF stealing uh, the naughty and nice list from Santa's workshop and the Mona Lisa from the Louvre. I think, I think this is great. I would uh, add in addition to who would win, I want to know which movie you'd rather watch. 
uh, between well, what do you mean? Which, like which like, team stealing which item would be the most entertaining? Uh, oh, okay. Special. I'll I'll add that question in the um, in the poll. Thanks. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm going to vote on that one too. <laughs> That's cool. Um, all right. Before we head out of here, do I have anything else that you want to add? Could be a quick fun fact. Could be not. Doesn't have to be. Oh no, I don't really have. I I, I mean, I don't have any fun facts. I'm sorry. That's 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 totally totally okay. I mean, all, all these. So I I have up Mission Impossible four, five, and six because that's what I was mostly talking about. Like all these movies did well. They're like they're a sub two hundred million dollar budget, like mid one hundreds. Like uh, let's see, one forty five, one fifty. Mission Impossible six goes up to one seventy eight, and they're all making seven hundred million, seven hundred million, eight hundred million. Like they're they're a solid action franchise right now. That's, they I'd say that they're probably the most consistent franchise right now does, does fast and furious make that kind of money i don't i don't they know do. About that. they do they're like yeah they're they're pulling in like billions i know there's been some debates as to which is better fast or furious or mission Impossible. i haven't seen the fast and furious movies i think i would like them based on what i know about them but now there's you, just so many i don't have the you time. probably would I know, and i know all the listeners know my story of when i watched one through six to prepare for seven and then i've never watched any other <laughs> one past that um yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, one thing I'll add for um, the Oceans franchise is, like we mentioned, there's, there's 11, 12, 13. There's the spinoff Oceans 8, which I think is actually pretty decent, personally. Um, so so the, the original trilogy is directed by Steven Soderbergh. And a couple years ago, Steven Soderbergh directed another movie called Logan Lucky. Or Lucky Logan. Logan Lucky. I think it's Logan Lucky. Yeah, Logan Lucky. And um, if you like Oceans... 11 specifically or any of the oceans you would love logan lucky it's got daniel craig channing tatum uh oh man i forget who else is in it it is it is so it's so good a lot of people basically call it ocean 7-eleven and <laughs> once once you see that movie you'd be like oh i totally i totally get why it's called that um oh that's right it's got adam driver seth MacFarlane, katie holmes uh sebastian stan Jack Quaid, Hillary Swank. It's 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 very very good. Um, so not really a fun fact, but I would just kind of tie it into a little recommendation. If you have not seen that, definitely give it a chance. It's really really good. Logan Lucky, thank you for the yeah, recommendation. Do you know yeah. who directed the the Mission Impossible Four? Uh, that was directed by Brad Bird. Nice. And do you know who mm-hmm. did six and seven? I'm sorry, five and six. Five and six are directed by oh, uh, it's the guy that like works with Tom Cruise like all the time now. Something, um, something mix something. Um, yes, Christopher McQuarrie. Christopher McQuarrie, yeah, like he's worked with Tom Cruise on like the Jack Reacher and uh, the new Top Gun. He's not he didn't direct it, but he's like I think he's like one of the scriptwriters on it. And that what was that Live Die Repeat movie he did, um, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's worked with uh, Tom Cruise. On that and J.J. Abrams has also been involved in all the um, four, five, and six, at least of the Mission Impossible's. He also directed the third one. Oh, he did. Okay, that was that was his actually that was his uh, his first film that he ever directed was was that one. Great! That, what a great fun fact. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I and, and like I said, like I think the third one, like coming off of two, people are like, oh, three was like it was okay because they weren't expecting anything good. Uh, but then. The problem with three is that it's followed by four, five, and six. So, like, it completely overshadowed by those. But if it ended with three, I think like people would be like, "Wow, three was pretty solid." Um, okay, it's all it, yeah. It's also very tonally different. But I mean, the other ones just blow it out of the water. 
so so much so much better so anyway so we hope you enjoyed that episode looking at who would win between oceans 11's crew and the impossible mission force like we said trying to break into santa's workshop and trying to steal the mona lisa uh from the louvre um chris is there anything else you want to add before we head out of here yeah, that was fun though. Good, yeah. good, uh, good idea for it. Yeah, this is this is a great uh, suggestion. Like I said, this uh, this episode was kind of like a brain trust uh, from our Discord server. So, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, if if you haven't joined our Discord server and you're interested in doing so, please follow the link in our show notes. You can hop on over there. Like I said, we have um, a small community that we're trying to build up just to have you know people interact with each other, talk about podcasts, other things, whatever, whatever you know. Uh, you'd like to do and um it's it's these types of suggestions that just kind of get our our minds thinking be like oh that would be a really really cool idea to do something like that so so we thank uh you the listeners for for contributing to the 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 podcast itself um uh as always please make sure you follow us on instagram twitter facebook and in our discord if you want to head follow us there you can find us on our website hoodwincast.com and subscribe and rate wherever you listen to podcasts. And please continue to participate in our show. For the Who Win Cast, this has been Steve. And this has been Chris. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.